0: Hello, the world. We are They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And we are sisters that want to tell you about lesser known murders. Our cases are always compelling, maybe even a little scary, with just enough banter to keep it interesting. You can find us at theywillkill.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. See you there. See ya.
1: guys podcast i'm Lauren, and i'm michael well we have another example of dna saving the day yes i love these early in the dna days where uh you know law enforcement started to use it to catch killers and i think this killer wasn't quite keen to it yet this was right in that window 1986 mm-hmm. the late 80s when dna started being used to link killers to crimes and also we have another example this is a little bit like neil falls this episode where it's a, it's a guy that you know it's purported and suspected to be a serial killer right but they had and no proof yeah but there's not um there's there's nothing linking him to these crimes but it's suspected so we'll go through those at the end of it right um uh, but yeah this is a good case crazy case man
2: yeah. but another good like you said another case of uh dna saving the day again and this time period these late 80s early 90s i think that's really the period like you said that's the period where people really weren't thinking about that shit it really wasn't main news, but yet DNA was still being saved from every crime. Like you gotta, you gotta think, man. If you committed a crime in the late '80s, early '90s, man, you gotta be sweating bullets. It's any day now, you know, that somebody could come knocking on your door. And people are, people are more and more people are sending in their DNA to what? Uh, what is it? Ancestry. And, twenty-three uh, and me, twenty-three, and 23 and me. I, I have family members that are telling me this shit all the time. They're like, "Hey," they're just sending me stuff. They're like, "Hey, check out my DNA. I got this back and this and that." And I'm like, "Damn, everybody doing this shit now."
1: I hope you so, didn't kill nobody back in the eight, '70s or '80s. I know. <laughs> yeah. I hope none of our cousins did or anything like that. Don't <laughs> right. be
2: fucked up. We're all like, well, at least I know how much Irish I am.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't even a, a genealogy one, which we've covered several of, and I'm sure we'll do many more because there's, there's literally uh, stuff breaking on a daily basis about this killer was, was yeah. uh, linked to a crime that happened because of genealogy. That uh-huh. shit is breaking every day. There was actually one in Vegas recently where a killer was caught after like 20 years. Yeah. Um, hold on. We can go over that real quick. I saved it in my email. Well, you know what I comes to mind? Intru- what why, case in Las Vegas? Yeah, and another case I thought of while
2: you're looking that up, what comes to mind is the guy we did we did not that long ago who got caught by throwing the cigarette butt out. Remember? And it was yeah. because all of his family has submitted their DNA, and they pretty much
1: mm-hmm. knew it was him. They
2: just needed they narrowed to- it down to two brothers. Remember? Yeah, yeah. And but it was like he they was just the had to follow
1: one. both brothers and get some DNA, and one of them like was a, it was a yeah, it was a cigarette butt that yep. he threw out the window. Which fuck him for littering too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how p- smokers think it's like not littering to throw your cigarette butts out. It's still right? fucking it's paper still, and foam. It's like, I that, guess birds are using it for the nest and getting cancer and shit. Like, that's not cool. Bro.
2: Yeah, that filter <laughs> that filter is never going away. It's like fucking plastic and foam and styrofoam. I don't know what the yeah, hell. Yeah, is that is not biodegradable. No, that cigarette filter is all filled with
1: deadly chemicals and shit, too. <laughs> like you say, birds are just putting it in their nest. Yeah, the baby bird in the nest is just coughing and shit. <laughs>
2: Shoot, birds are probably feeding their babies that shit. Birds are dumb, man. They scoop that shit yeah. up and barf it out into their baby's throat. Come on, yeah, I'm trying to get so this article about pull that. up on
1: my crappy internet. Think about that next time
2: you guys throwing cigarette butts out. You're choking birds. Right. <laughs>
1: Nineteen seventy nine case, cold case solved uh-huh. using uh, through semen analysis, and this is a local Las Vegas case. Okay. Um Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department has identified the suspect in the murder of Kim Bryant, a 16-year-old girl who went missing in January of 1979 and was found dead almost a month later. Using forensic-grade genome sequencing, Authram uh, Inc., a Texas-based forensic sequencing, so there's all these new laboratories that that's oh, what I they know. do. They specialize in now is they just link, they get these big trees of DNA going, and they start linking crimes and and uh, wouldn't that be fun, go down though? the family tree until they they get to a suspect. God, that sounds say? like
2: a blast to me. Like, to I be know, able right? To look into that and be like, "Oh, okay, so they match these genes. Okay, okay, so these two must be brothers." This is going to
1: be like, TV shows. There, I can see TV shows in the making of this. These labs, like, just follow these labs around as they solve well, these cases.
2: Well, think about how much lab work is already a part of crime shows. You think CSI? Think of shows like Bones. Like, did you ever watch Bones? Yeah. I yeah. mean, ninety percent mm-hmm. of that show was in the lab, like comparing, mm-hmm. comparing just this. Well, I think
1: about uh, uh, even. CSI back in the day, a lot of it was yeah. in the lab. Them, yeah,
2: yep, absolutely,
1: yeah. So in January of 1979, um, she was uh, Bryant was reported missing after she did not return home from school. She was seen last seen at a fast food restaurant on Decatur near 95, which yep. we know that area well, North Vegas. Um, yeah, in February of 1979, her her deceased body was discovered in a desert area near West Charleston and South Buffalo, which. Mm-hmm. In 1979, I'm guessing that was still desert out there, but it's very, it's been developed for years and years now.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a nice neighborhood out there now. But yeah, it's, uh,
1: yeah, that was just probably just straight two lane roads cutting through the desert yep. at that time, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So detectives believe she was abducted uh, the day she went missing and sexually assaulted, and testing done was made possible thanks to a donation from a Vegas resident named Justin Wu, who approached the, the Las Vegas Police Department to help further. Uh, with a cold case investigation. So he donated, that funded the DNA research to find this killer. Wow. Um, who, yeah, who turned out to be, uh, who was the killer's name?
2: Did he have any priors? Do you know? Was this guy like. Yeah, so to it was else? a guy
1: named Johnny Peterson who was 19 years old at the time. Gotcha. And this was 1979. So uh, I'm trying to, th- it doesn't say how old he is now, but he's obviously a much older man. But yeah, like you said. You can't rest easy anymore if you killed somebody back in the day. If he was, it's bad enough that your DNA could get directly linked if you get arrested and your DNA is taken, but now it doesn't even that doesn't even need to happen. That's what happens in our case this week. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy's arrested for a, for an unrelated crime, his is taken, and it's linked to him. But now, like, that doesn't even have to happen. Your fucking uncle or your niece or somebody can upload their DNA, and they start tracing it and say, hey, this killer's DNA is awfully close to this person. Next thing you know, <laughs> you're going to yeah. knock at your door. And especially if they can put you in the area of the crime.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you yep. know, I mean, if they have a similar match DNA, and they can put you in that area, and you and have priors. This guy was 19,
1: he lived in Vegas at the time, oh. and, yep. Yeah, He's matches. fucked.
2: That's yep. good, though. I'm glad. I'm glad people are sweating, bro. I'm glad people are sweating mm-hmm. that shit out. Hope hopefully, hopefully, that's a real deterrent for people in the future. You know, I'm sure yep. people will just evolve and get smarter, but for now, we're in a time where it's damn hard to get a, get away with a crime, which yeah. is great, especially a, a crime as brutal as a rape and a murder.
1: yeah. All right, should we get into this case? I think we should. Well, I think we teased it enough. Let's do it. The case of Little Miss Murder. All right.
0: She could be anywhere by now. Anywhere by now. I saw her down. All her downtown
2: Everybody turn here, look at this Have you seen her? Her license plate these little miss Can you be sure? Black CRX, I own it PG Now reefer Now reefer Her first time going alone You know how it goes She's 500 miles from home Walking on the road A man that she didn't know And he took her home He took her home he took her home. Yeah, Yeah everybody here, look at this have you seen her seen her seen her a license plate please little not miss can you be sure be sure like CRX high on mpg <laughs> high on mpg not reefer not reefer, not reefer.
0: I saw her downtown. She could be anywhere by now. North of the border now, in Canadian time. She could be anywhere by now. Anywhere by now, I saw her down.
1: For our case this week, we are doing the Little Miss Murder, and you'll find out soon why it's called that. Um, but this involves a victim named Lisa Kimmel. Lisa Kimmel was born July eighteenth, nineteen sixty nine, in Covington, Tennessee. She shares a birthday with the great Vin Diesel. Wow! Live my life one quarter mile at a time. Yeah, Vin Diesel. who else oh man he's starting to look weird as he gets older i'm not gonna lie like in the like what is it uh fast 76 or whatever whichever whichever one they're on now they've just got so much makeup caked on to him that he's just like i don't know well they're trying to make they can't accept that he's getting old they're trying to make him still look like he did in the first one and well maybe they
2: shouldn't wait so long in between the movies i mean damn the scripts ain't that complicated i mean what what do you get on here you
1: race some cars you know you have a little shootout
2: how hard is this? I feel like
1: he's getting to that stage that old men get to, where like their nose and their ears keep growing, but the rest of them is like shrinking. Oh yeah, like his nose and his ears get bigger each each Fast and the Furious. You know, in your bone structure too, your bone structure changes as you
2: get older. It really does. Yeah, different things. You start to contract. Yeah, different features of like your, curl your face, in like like become, an old prune. <laughs> well, yeah, some features, and then on the other hand, other features become more prominent. You know what I'm saying? It's weird. Yeah. It really yeah. is weird to see pictures of someone like in Their 30s and 40s, and then see them at like 70, 80. You're like, Whoa, it's crazy! Right. It's crazy <laughs>
1: the differences that your body goes under. I'm, not, I'm Father Time's a motherfucker. <laughs> um, also, Kristen Bell and Canelo Alvarez, two people that are aging quite well. Yes, Kristen Bell, hilarious. Probably my wife's favorite actor, actress, really. Rather. Kristen Bell, yeah. I didn't never took her as so funny. What's 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 she in that's so funny I'm like, What am I missing here?
2: Kristen Bell, right? From like, um. The Good Place? The only thing I really know her from is like uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's the, oh, the main thing I know Oh, okay. So, yeah. No, she's done, she's done a lot of things where she starred in like sitcoms and stuff. One of my favorites is The Good Place. You ever watch that? Nope. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a, like an ongoing comedy sitcom type thing where she ends up going to heaven, right? Oh. But it's by mistake. She's <laughs> actually a really shitty person. On earth that's a funny concept uh yeah it's you have to check i don't want to ruin it for you i don't want to say too much because it's hard to say a lot without ruining it but uh all right it's a it's a it's a funny show she really shines all in right, that so, show
1: rather all right so people check that out back to lisa kimmel who was born in 1969 she was the eldest of three daughters born to sheila and ronald kimmel she was raised in billings montana and upon graduating from billings senior year uh high school in 1987. The year that I was born, she took a job managing an Arby's uh, in Aurora, Colorado. So she's born and raised in Montana. Yeah. Gets this job as you might be wondering how she gets a job managing an Arby's in Colorado. How does that happen? Well, she was born in Tennessee, which is
2: crazy. I wonder how long she spent in Tennessee. Right. Yeah. And then she raised in Montana. Man, that's a a hell
1: of a jump. I was going to say, I don't, I don't, I get the feeling she wasn't in Tennessee for very long. Apparently not. She moved as a, you know, basically a baby to Billings. Looks like it. Um, uh, but yeah, so how does some, uh, a girl go from graduating high school in, in Billings, Montana, to managing uh, an Arby's in Aurora, Colorado? It's because her mother, Sheila, was a regional manager of Arby's, uh. and the two worked in the Denver area together and would commute back to Billings every weekend, which is quite a drive. That's Man, that just sounds exhausting. You work all week in Colorado, and then you drive 555 miles back to Billings, Montana for the weekend. That's an
2: eight-hour drive, right? Eight Approximately. hours. Approximately. That's a whole weekend. work day.
1: So you drive a whole other work day. Yeah. After after your week. No, nah, I, I couldn't. And you think that. just after that drive you just be exhausted and that's that's the day right there. You're done for the to day. Work it. There there goes one of your days of the weekend. <laughs> right?
2: Who even goes to
1: Arby's? I would not drive eight hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I used man. I used to eat some Arby's. I know I, every day. Arby's? Every day on my lunch break, I ate Arby's when I first started at my job. <laughs> like literally every day, the same Arby's. I have to admit, actually, the, close to the where the murder we talked about at the beginning of the episode, yep. Decatur and uh, Alta. Yep. I used to eat at that Arby's every single day for my lunch break. Damn, you eat a lot of roast beef.
2: Yeah,
1: um, I don't think that Arby's is even there anymore. I have to say, actually, I have to
2: say though, Arby's seems like they're making a comeback. At least Arby's in in my town. Like I see them now, and like the other day, I rode by it around dinner time. That Arby's was out into the damn street. No shit. I was like, "Okay, Arby's. I see you out here." Cuz like if you drive by, obviously, if you drive by in the morning, lunchtime is like it seems empty. But at least compared to other restaurants, it's not it's not a favorite here in the south, I guess I'd say, but it seems to be still still gaining traction.
1: They're still here. In so. the, I feel like in the '90s, it was, it was a well uh, respected establishment, Arby's. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Not so Dude. much anymore. It's lost its luster. Yeah. But like It was like, oh, you're going out to Arby's. It was like higher class than McDonald's and shit like that.
2: Bro, I remember like we would be like on our way home from somewhere, and my dad would stop and get us all like beef and cheddars. You know, just get like a whole bag of just yeah. beef and cheddars, and it was like, yeah, dinner. <laughs> right. Like that was luxury. Yeah.
1: You know, good times, mm-hmm.
2: man. Good times. Yeah. Ah, the '90s. Right. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: So yeah, during the week, Lisa and her mother, um, they, they lived and worked in, in Colorado, the Denver area. Aurora's like a, an area that's not technically part of Denver, but it's like a part of the metropolitan. It's like, I guess, Henderson is to city. Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Um, but during the week they resided in an apartment complex in Denver, each in their own separate apartment and would regularly return to Billings. Like I said, most weekends they would drive together back to Billings, Montana, where Lisa's father, uh, Ronald and her younger siblings resided. Um, and this leads us up to this infamous trip in which Lisa would would go missing and ultimately be found right. uh, murdered. On So on March 25th, 1988, 18-year-old Lisa left Aurora and headed for Billings as usual. But she'd be stopping in Cody, Wyoming, between which was between Colorado and Billings, Montana, to pick up her boyfriend, Ed Jerick. Okay. So this trip was a bit different. She didn't go with her mother on this trip. Um, and on this trip, she planned to pick, pick up her boyfriend, who... Um, hadn't met her family yet, right? Um, so this was a kind of like a big weekend. She was going to bring be bringing Ed Ed home to meet her father and siblings. I think Ed may uh, or you know Ed may have met her mother probably on the drive. Yeah. that they did every weekend. They'd probably stop and, and hang out with Ed for a little bit, probably. Um, but he had not met her father and siblings yet. Oh, um, Okay. And on this trip, her mother would not be accompanying her. Her mother actually flew home to Billings the day earlier because she had a ski trip planned. So she needed to, you know, get back to Montana quickly. Right. Um. Now, on this drive, Lisa would be driving a black 1988 Honda CRX with a vanity license plate that oh. read Little Miss. Underrated. That's why cars. they call this the Little Miss. Oh. Yeah. And it was brand new at the time. You got yeah. to, you know, this is 1988. She's Dude. making this drive. So she had just gotten this vehicle. I have this theory that, like, fuel companies wanted that
2: car off the fucking road because in that at that peak right so efficient 48 miles (laughs) to the gallon imagine no way yes what dude my cousin had a crx had a late 80s crx in like 2005 2006 i swear to god that thing was better than an electric car almost i mean he would get like nearly 50 miles to the gallon depending on how he drove and it was a straight drive because they're so light dude they're so light and so efficient
1: I mean, so she's probably making this drive 555 miles for a few bucks. A few bucks, man. <laughs> when you think I, about how cheap how cheap gas exactly, was at the time. Plus, getting plus 48 miles to the gallon. Yes,
2: that's what I'm saying. It was better. It was almost better than driving a motorcycle, man. That's better than some Harleys. God dang. Damn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's shaped so weird. I guess it was like all the aerodynamics, and it was light. And that's why those cars ain't on the road no more, too. I guarantee it. It was kind of shaped like a way, the way the Priuses are now. It had that f- yep. really flat back end of it, but more aerodynamic than a Prius. In like my opinion, like a fish with no tail. Yeah. Or thin, I guess. Yeah, the oil companies did not
2: <laughs> like this car, bro. They did not like it. I guarantee you.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah, just like the the hydrocar guy that got killed by by big oil. Yeah. Suspicious. The guy that made the car that could run on water, and he just all of a sudden got killed. Yeah. Suspicious. Got suicided. Mm-hmm. We should do an episode on that someday, and then we'll get fucking whacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guess we will just not get any more true crime guys as soon as we do that episode. Right.
2: We'll make that our last episode. We'll go out yeah. with a bang,
1: literally. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so so, she um, Lisa takes off on this drive on March 25th, 1988 and um, as I mentioned her mother had flown back to Billings the day earlier and she was heading straight to Cody to pick up her boyfriend which was would take about seven and a half hours and here's a quote from her then boyfriend, Ed, Ed Jarek quote, the plan was that she was supposed to leave Denver and get to Cody to see me sometime late that evening I talked to her at about 4.30 and she thought she'd be there uh, she'd be in at about midnight or something like that so I'm guessing she gets off work and she's heading just just gonna redline it, head straight for yeah. um, Cody, Montana, and pick up Ed Jarek. Um, and she would be getting there in the middle of the night. Weather conditions were good, uh, so Lisa shouldn't have had any trouble trouble making the trip to Cody. You know, she had a brand new, reliable vehicle that get, gets great gas mileage. Yep. Um, so she was expected to be at her boyfriend's late Friday night, but by Saturday morning, she had not arrived, and this. Um, greatly concerned ed uh, who began to call the police this is a very concerned boyfriend Mm -hmm. uh, who wasted no time he immediately in that that saturday morning called montana police wyoming police and colorado police all three states that she'd be traveling to and through right um, on her trip Um, and according to those police jurisdictions there had been no accidents reported involving a car like lisa's so Mm. what is going on right you know I'm sure he was relieved in one sense, but then also like, well, this this is still a problem. Right. Like, where, where is she? If she, if, Yeah. It's not like her. So Ed, so Ed then called Lisa's family, who uh, also greatly concerned would end up driving the route she had taken in reverse. So they would drive from Montana, you know, south towards Colorado, um, the same highway that she would be taking. Yep. And they found no sign of her as well. They didn't see her car on the side of the road. They didn't see anything. Um, and that's when her family officially reported her missing. So after after hearing of the reports, um, this, you know, these three states were getting reports of this, this woman being missing and driving the route through their state, uh, patrolman, Alan Lesko of the Wyoming highway patrol reported that he had stopped Lisa for speeding in Douglas, Wyoming, the night that she had disappeared. So that Friday night, um, he had pulled her over. She'd been speeding. Um, Douglas, uh, Wyoming is about the midway point between Aurora and Colorado, I mean, uh, Aurora and Cody, uh, Wyoming, where she was headed to see her boyfriend. Okay. uh, So Alan uh, Alan Lesko, the officer that pulled her over, says, quote, I was patrolling southbound on March 25th, and I noted a small car northbound at 88 miles per hour. Where we going, we don't need roads. She was getting it. Um, Now, this was a 65-mile-an-hour zone, and he says, according to my radar, I turned around and pursued the car. I stopped her near Orrin Junction. She was well-kept, the kind of person you'd like to have for a daughter. Um, hmm. and I guess it's Wyoming policy that when you pull over someone for speeding and, and cite them in, in Wyoming that's out of stater, like they're, they're not local, right? You they have to put down a bond on their ticket. Um, because obviously a lot of people would just, just get dip the ticket out. and never come back to Wyoming, right? 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 <laughs> so hmm. it's standard practice to pay the to have to pay a bond for you know for the police to let you go on your way. And she didn't have the money on her to pay the bond, so he actually followed her to an ATM. Um, but she found the uh, the the machine inca- uh, incompatible with her debit card. You know, I when so, I saw this, I looked this up, because I was like, man, they had debit cards in
2: 1988? But uh, debit cards were actually introduced in 1978. But, Holy
1: crap. Yeah, but they were mainly... They were probably resisted by the, the public, huh? They were like, I'm not doing that. That's not real money. Yes, yes. Only, Let me write my check right. at the grocery store. Only the, really, only the really wealthy
2: had debit cards in 1978. But 10 years after... I would think that they would become more common, common practice. But yeah. not so common that every gas station would have a machine compatible
1: with your debit card. So that yeah. that does make yeah. sense.
2: You know what I'm saying? I mean, you gotta think credit debit cards are only out for 10 years. The chances Well,
1: even now if you use an ATM that's not your bank, you still have to pay the fucking fee, that's like three dollars or three fifty. Yeah. I know, right? I know. But at least
2: it's compatible with your card. Yeah. But see, like that that kind of because exp- I, I thought that odd. I'm like, what? Why would an ATM not be compatible with their card? But then I was like, well, when did this take place? Mm -hmm. Oh, 88. Wow, they had debit cards. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It makes debit cards
1: were still fairly new, especially to the general public. Mm -hmm. So, it's kind of like Bitcoin now. Like, people are still resisting. It's like, it's not real. I can't feel it, touch it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but everything you do is digital now. It's just numbers on a screen and you use a card plastic card to to pay for things. Like, yeah, it's not that far off. Right, it's somebody somebody gives you some money and your PayPal balance goes from zero to whatever. Yeah, like, and even paper money world. right now is not backed by gold. It's all a sham. Like, it's just an understanding of what its value is and people agree on that, but... Yep. Anyways, I don't want to go down that road. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, so the officer follows her to the ATM, but her card is not compatible with the ATM. So the officer uh, gives her a break and agrees to allow Kimmel to mail a check to the police department to pay the fine when she returned to Billings. So kind of like a... You know, they get a verbal agreement, but it's you know right. They they feel good about it. She's like, I I promise, I'll send a you know a check. Right. Um, And this would end up being the last confirmed sighting of Lisa Kimmel. Um, Though there was one, uh, there was one unconfirmed sighting of her inside of a Casper grocery store at approximately 10 p.m. that night. There would end up being a ton of sightings of her following what was believed to be, um, you know, when she was killed. Which is one of the things that's interesting about this case is all the sightings of her vehicle in all these different areas and it's a very distinct vehicle you know a black CRX with a license plate little mist very distinct yeah um, and there's all these like credible reports but, from people who were like in law enforcement and stuff of her vehicle they, and believed you know it's believed that she was seen following when she was killed but we'll get to that I,
2: yeah i know that's what makes me at first i thought well the CRX was probably a popular car you know, for that time yeah. period. It's probably and then black is a popular color, right? It's a sporty car. It's a sporty two door. That license plate. But with that cool. license plate, so so you're saying everybody that confirmed sighting
1: saw the license yeah. plate as well? A Montana license plate that read Lil' Miss. Okay. Well, somebody was driving so, her car. Around. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. So Lisa's signature on the ticket and the and actually this is another thing that blew my mind. You know, you talked about the debit card and like, oh, that was where around then. Mm-hmm. The officer, there was officers actually audio recording their their interactions and their um, you know, when they would pull people over. Yeah. So instead of wearing crazy, body in 1988, cams, 1988. This officer, yeah, you can actually hear the you can hear you know the last recorded audio of Lisa Kimmel. Uh, was the officer was recording as he talked to her? Uh, wow! Uh, while he was citing her, and the, her family confirmed that it was her, in fact, mm. um, in the audio recording. So they have, you know, the police officer had her signature and the audio to confirm that he had, in fact, pulled her over. Um, wow! So they were wearing recorders instead of body cams at the time. I imagine he, maybe he took it upon himself to have his own little audio recorder, right? Um, just for his own protection or whatever. That's smart. Yeah, so as the week went on, uh, with no word from her daughter, Lisa's mother began to worry. And Lisa's mother's actually written a book uh, about her mother's murder. Um, I believe it's called The Murder of Little Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to get it, but it's not available in audio form. And I didn't have time to have the book shipped to me and read it in time for this case. Right. But I have looked into a lot of uh, you know stuff that her mother talked about in this through people that have read it. So some of that is in this Okay. as well. Right on. Yeah, so we have a couple quotes from... Uh, from her mother and her outlook at the time, she says, "Quote: The outlook was looking grim, but even if that, even if the outcome wasn't as we hoped, we still needed to find her. Absolutely. And the search for Lisa became frantic, with family members anxiously joining police efforts in hopes of locating uh, uh, Lisa. And on April second, one week after Lisa disappeared." the, you know, their, their biggest fears became confirmed as a local mechanic named Greg Bradford was spending his Saturday fishing on the North Platte river, um, and ended up bringing the search for Lisa to a sad end. He says, quote, when I stepped off the side of the bank, I looked over my shoulder and I saw a lady in the water. Then I remembered when we were driving up from Cheyenne, they said this young girl was missing from Montana. So I looked again and I said, oh God, it must be her. Mm. So he had in fact found the nude battered body of Lisa, um, in, the, in that river. Yep. Anytime you hear somebody is near a river in a true
2: crime episode, you know they're about to find a body.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right? Someone's <laughs> waiting around. Every fishing, time. Fly fishing, usually. So, so a guy was fishing. Oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This one's no different. Yeah. Yeah. So police searched the area where Lisa's body was discovered, um, and, and on an old highway bridge one quarter of a mile away, they found blood that was the same type of Lisa's. Oh, on the, on uh, the bridge above the water. Yeah. Yeah, so Ooh, a quarter wow. mile away. So you have to imagine the body was dumped from the bridge and drifted a quarter mile before getting caught along the banks, or she was attacked on the bridge. Yeah, yeah right for sure, or both. Rather, well, like I said, attacked and dropped from the from the bridge. Right, right. So, be, and this was not a, a commonly used bridge as well. This was clearly well, a bridge that was picked by the perpetrator for the means of like being able to drop a body off without being seen. Yes, yes, obviously. Obviously, this reminds me of the bridge of the uh, what was the uh,
2: the furniture store people murder the Zulu murder? What yeah, they weren't the furniture murder.
1: store, what were they? I can't remember. They, what were, they were uh, the, they were re- kitchen remodeling or something, kitchen like that. remodeling.
2: Yeah, the bridge that he was on, remember, and he was like, he threw the bag over the side of the yeah, the, yeah. it got stuck on a piece bridge. of ice.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that dipshit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so so because this bridge was so uh, inaccessible and seldom used, police theorized that the murderer may have lived in the area, been local to the area, and, you know, most people that travel through wouldn't have even known that bridge was there, it sounds like. Probably not. <clears throat> um, and also, based on eyewitness accounts of unexplained activity on the bridge, they estimated that Lisa was murdered early Saturday morning, roughly five hours after she was stopped for speeding. However, the autopsy would tell a different story. And this is just more muddling of the investigation by, you know, so-called witnesses that, that claimed, someone claimed that they had seen strange activity on that bridge, which is odd because this bridge sounds like it was so desolate and rarely used it. Like, who was watching this bridge in the middle of the night to have seen this car dumping something off of it? It's, it's, ran, right. it's, it's, it's weird, and also when you think about what the autopsy tells, completely different story of her not being killed that night, her being killed six days later. So, yeah. The reports you really have to question whether someone actually saw, you know, strange activity. Maybe they saw someone else on that bridge doing something different. About it. it was unrelated to Lisa's murder. I don't know, right? Or maybe they were just trying to interject himself for some reason. Or maybe it was the killer himself interjecting uh, inaccurate information to try and make the investigation harder. Who knows? Yeah, at this point, it could have been anybody. Yeah. So uh, Lisa Kimmel's mother, Sheila, described in her book, The Murder of Little Miss, what it's like to receive the news that Lisa had been found. She says, quote, eight days after her disappearance, our worst nightmare materialized. Two fishermen found Lisa's body early Saturday afternoon, April 2nd, 1988. She hadn't had a wreck. Her body had been dropped from the old government bridge near Casper, Wyoming, into the old North Platte River. Our beautiful daughter was gone. Mm. Awful. Well, at least,
2: you know, I mean, it's tough, but at least they had closure. And I feel like they were somewhat prepared for this. Yeah. You know, when they found out that she didn't arrive at her boyfriend's, she was pulled over, so she'd been sighted, and mm-hmm. then, no, you know, not hearing from her since, I think they were already starting to prepare their their minds for this. But yeah. still,
1: not an easy task for any parent. Especially with the character of their daughter. They know that she wouldn't have just ran off for no right. reason. right? Yeah. So, coroner James Thorpin, who examined Lisa's body, determined that the young woman had been hit over the head and repeatedly stabbed at least seven times in the abdomen. The autopsy determined that she had been bound, beaten, and raped, and was estimated that this had gone on for some time, uh, up to around six days, the coroner estimated, that she'd been held captive and been being basically tortured and repeatedly raped. Um, Blood matching Lisa's body found at the old government bridge led police to believe that she'd either been killed there or close to the location before being dumped into the river. So putting things together, it sounds like she was being held at at some location and then was actually killed at or near the bridge due to the blood that was found on the bridge. So potentially brought to the bridge, stabbed and beaten, and then thrown off the bridge at that site. Killed and thrown off at that site, but
2: but kept somewhere for at least six days? Yes. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, definitely serial killer tendencies right here. Mm -hmm. This is definitely not someone's first
1: offense. No. So not long after Kimmel's remains were found, Unsolved Mysteries aired a segment on Lisa's murder, and the program featured two prominent individuals that claimed they saw Kimmel's car on the streets in the hours and days following her death. One was a woman named Donna Kirkpatrick who was married to a local county sheriff. These are these credible reports that we talked about earlier of her car being seen driven around by a woman in the days following her death or her abduction. Um, Uh Donna states, it was it was Saturday at noon, and I noticed a little bra- black sports car had pulled right in front of me. Then I noticed a license plate. It was a Montana license plate with Little Miss on it. Kind of hard to at miss. that point. I did, de- yeah. And at that point, I decided I needed to see if the car went with whoever was driving it. I'm absolutely positive there was a young gal driving it. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, this is so innocent and so like we all do this shit, right? When you see a vanity plate, you're like, let
2: me see who's yeah. driving this car, right? Does it match up with, right. with the license? Is it a, is this a Little it, Miss or is this is some this, like old
1: guy, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: exactly you're curious you're like who is this person who thinks this much of this part of their personality that they want to put it on their tag like they want to pay the extra 80 dollars as a a registration let me see who is this oh Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) so yeah yeah, i I totally i totally believe this report hundred
1: percent and her husband was a, a police officer too so she's used to hearing these types of details right when you Think about it. I think I would prefer my daughter to have a vanity license plate if my daughter was driving around on desolate highways in 1988, where you mm-hmm. know she doesn't have a cell phone and GPS and everything else like that. Long, you know, you're going on a drive with, with no communication. I'd like her to have something really tying her, you know, noticeable, yeah. like a license plate like that. Like that actually comes in handy, clearly, in this case. I guess, and it also just, mud, it also muddles things a lot because then you get all these reports that who knows where they came from, and a lot of them can't be true. They just when you think about what actually happened, it is just a can't lot of these all just, be true. can't be real. Yeah, no. like her car being driven by a woman in Canada just doesn't make any sense when we no. know where the car ends up. Ultimately, we find right. that out later on. Yeah, it just don't make sense. But people, yeah. you know, like
2: I said, a lot of people probably saw black CRXs with a young mm-hmm. woman driving them, and which makes sense. I mean, a small compact sports car that's a perfect car for a young teenage girl so yeah you know what i'm saying like most people aren't paying attention to that those small details or maybe they're not even close enough to the car to see the tag and then montana may be a state i don't know but it may be a state where they only put the tag on the back of the car which just causes more problems like north carolina's like that like we don't have two tags here you just get one tag you put it on the back of your car you put whatever the fuck you want on the front Nevada too. yeah nevada you don't have to have one on the front it's optional but they give you two tags though Still a lot of drivers. A lot of drivers will put both tags on because they're like, Well, what the hell? I got both tags. But like a lot of states, I'm guessing, or at least, you know, North Carolina, they don't only give you one tag. Hmm. So if you're not behind somebody,
1: you're not even gonna know. You're not gonna be able to identify it. Right. So officers received numerous other tips, all alleging that they had seen Lisa or at least someone who looked like her driving a vehicle. Matching hers, her car's description. Post mortem, none of the tipsters said that Lisa seemed distressed when they saw her. They so they saw this, you know, young blonde girl driving this car, and she seemed totally normal, not distressed. Um, and there was even, I mean, there was also a bunch of sightings of her car being driven by men as well. And there was a bunch of uh, police sketches done. Like this is insane how many reports they got of this car being driven around, sightings that even extended into Canada. So here's a quote from an officer that had been working it. He says, "quote We had over a thousand sightings of this vehicle. A lot of them from law enforcement officers, and we were deluged uh, with them at the point to the point where we thought they had gone to Canada. We had That's seen crazy. some. We, we had some sightings in Canada. Like what in the world? How? I know. Like I just need to. I need to know that these officers confirmed the tag. I mean, is it possible? Knowing what we know now possible. at the end. I mean, we know where the car ends up. We know who you know. Ultimately, the perpetrator gets caught." We know the car ends right. up being found buried on his property and things like that, but is it possible that he'd held her captive and was driving her car around looking for other victims as well? Is that possible? I think it's possible. Absolutely. Before, it's possible. before ultimately burying or, it later? Because we know he didn't have a car at the time. That's why or I think he he did have a truck, but is it possible that you know he was driving her car around picking trying to pick up other girls or who knows? I mean, I think um, it's possible.
2: Absolutely. Or Good that he'd
1: let I think I think there was a you know, like a nephew that was on the property with him. Maybe he was letting the nephew drive the car around. Right. Well, also Montana... He said, you know, know, held captive
2: on his property. Montana is, I mean, it's on the border of Canada. I mean, it's not that much of a stretch. Or maybe he had a girlfriend or something. He was like, yeah, just take her car, you know? Like, Mm. don't give a fuck. Yeah. Drive her car around. I mean, you look like her, you have blonde hair. Most people, it's just all worst case scenario. It confuses everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, or you get pulled over. But yeah, it's yeah. not it's not crazy to think that be, they were in Montana and they went to Canada. That's 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 not out of the question. I mean, they're already yeah. driving eight, seven, eight hour trips everywhere, and then you get a car that gets almost fifty miles to the gallon. Shit, it right. ain't even
1: expensive for the damn serial killer to go drive around in this thing. He's like, fuck my truck, I'm taking this. And this guy had a vibe of, you know, not really. He had like, a, I don't, I don't give a shit attitude about getting caught. Like he just. He probably, so I could he, almost see him being brash enough to yeah, he was either lend the car out to someone or drive it around himself. Like he just didn't give it a shit. I mean, the guy was living, we'll come to find out, in a bus with no electricity or running water or anything on this desolate property in a, you know, a town with no one in it in the middle of Montana. So Yeah. I don't he know. Didn't, he didn't have much to lose, you know.
2: No. And also, Lauren, like we talked about, who knows how long he's been doing this, man. How yeah, exactly. who knows how long? This is just normal routine for him. Just another mm-hmm. girl, another car. Whatever, I'll dispose of it, and everything will be all hunky dory. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know how these serial killers get? They get lazy. They get nonchalant because they feel mm-hmm. like I'm not getting good get cocky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And somebody who keeping somebody
1: for six days—that's pretty fucking cocky. Yep. So, getting all these reports, police would have the witnesses work with sketch artists and created 17 different sketches of the men supposedly driving Lisa's car. Oh my Unfortunately, god! Unfortunately, they all looked different which only muddied the, the investigation further, and they couldn't even uh, release like a photo to the public because it's like we have 17 different-looking right. sketches. Like, Which one do we pick? You know. I was about to say, that just sounds like a bad idea coming from the
2: start. Let's get 17 right. different sketches uh, from 17 different people. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: this doesn't right. sound like a way to narrow this down at all. No. <clears throat> He's well. a dude. He had hair. Uh, might be a chick. <laughs> we don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, he looking
2: like a man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he had hair, nose, and then like eyes and stuff. Right, right. (laughs) Maybe a mustache. I don't really know. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh. Keep your eye out, guys. (laughs) Right, we'll find him. Yeah. So we know Lisa was last seen at 9 p.m. on Friday when she was, uh, you know, pulled over by the police officer and given the ticket, um, and was reported missing by 9 a.m. Saturday morning. Yet she was reportedly seen twice later that day and once on Sunday. If Lisa was, if she was alive, you know, what's going on here? Why, why hadn't she showed up at her boyfriend's? Why was she just driving around aimlessly? Right. Um. And if she'd been killed early Saturday morning as police, you know, suspected initially because of the reports of the bridge activity and stuff like that, which the coroner, as we mentioned, would tell the real story and that she was held captive for six days. Mm-hmm. Um, so who was driving Lisa's car? You know, this is all things the police were wondering at the time. Ultimately, none of these reports would amount to much. All the reports of her being seen dri- driving around or her car being driven around by men. Um, yeah. they would ultimately be impossible to prove what was going on with that. they never been up. fully explained. Yeah. They're too mixed up, and no way to confirm these reports. And how many of these
2: reports were just thrown in? By like you said, you said maybe by the killer himself, maybe by yeah. associates of him, just trying mm-hmm. to throw things off. Yeah, you know, it's just when you have this many
1: reports, it's almost worse than just having a few because you just, yeah. you don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, an FBI profiler named Ron Walker would give his thoughts on who police should be looking for. He said it would be. <clears throat> it, it was most likely a white man in his mid twenties or older, a loner that probably lived in the Casper area. Um, and on March twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine, around a year after Lisa's remains were laid to rest, a family friend discovered a mysterious note taped to Lisa's headstone that read, "Quote, Lisa, there aren't words to say how much you're missed. The pain never leaves. It's so hard without you. Always be alive in my, in me. Your death is, is my painful loss, but heaven's sweet gain. Love always, Stringfellow Hawk." And String I read it as Hawk. it was written. There was several misspellings. There was no periods used. It was a mm-hmm. distinct way of writing, someone who's maybe not highly educated. Right. Um, and the Stringfellow Hawk is actually um, a character from a short-lived television series named uh, called Airwolf. And this series was about a withdrawn and soulful pilot who lives in a remote cabin and uses a secret military helicopter to search for his missing brother. So about hmm. this lonely character living in a, ca- in a cabin alone and lisa's parents would uh, allegedly watch the show and a certain episode of this show caught their attention there was an episode in which uh, stringfellow hawks girlfriend lives with him for 6 days in the cabin during the 6 oh days God. they have sex and he feeds her and on the 6th day she's killed by the bad guys so very similar to the you know to the end unfortunately of lisa's life yes it is you know the 6 I, I days the, that's eerie yes yes and ultimately being killed Mm. Um, unfortunately detectives had no suspects to attempt to match the handwriting from the letter to until later on and the case would remain cold it's also interesting you know worth noting that the the letter was dated 11 13 1988 which police knew that that letter had not been there since November this letter was found on the headstone in March and police had visited I mean not police but like family members and friends had visited her headstone between November and March and there's no way that it was there so it may have been written in November, but it wasn't placed on the headstone until closer to you know somewhere in March. Okay. So it may have also been the killer trying to mislead people once again. Mm-hmm. Or maybe but. he wrote that letter then, you know, and then yeah, just perhaps post, and, you know yeah. posted it on the headstone later. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot more coming, and we're going to find out who this sick fucker is, and discuss whether we believe he's a serial killer or not. Um, after a quick commercial break. Right on. Some days can
2: be a real struggle. The good news is, I'm having a lot less of those since I found True TrueNiogen. I actually love it! True TrueNiogen helps fuel the cell's energy engines, maintain cellular metabolism, and even supports heart health in combination with a healthy lifestyle. With 13 published human clinical studies and backed by Nobel Prize winners, TrueNiogen is a supplement that's clinically proven to boost NAD levels, an essential coenzyme required for cellular energy and repair. Since taking True niagen I have more resiliency, and it helps my muscles recover. I just have more zest for life. Add more vitality to your life today with True niagen Right now, new customers can save 10% on their first purchase by going to trueniagen.com/ slash creeper and use code creeper. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com slash creeper, code creeper, to save 10% on your first purchase. TrueNiogen.com slash creeper. Code, you guessed it, creeper. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. As true crime fans, you guys already know life is often stranger than fiction. I think that's why we're drawn to true crime. There are shocking real life stories that Hollywood can't even make up. That's what I love most about true crime studying the extremes of humanity and what motivates them. Get your fill of suspense and scandal, from small-town whodunits to heart-pounding series with deadly cults, infamous serial killers, and cold cases rekindled. Sundance Now understands your obsession. Sundance Now has a gripping selection of true crime series you won't find anywhere else. It's a commercial-free streaming service brought to you by the people at AMC Network. So if you're a fan of their groundbreaking storytelling, then you'll love Sundance Now. For example, No One Saw a Thing examines the unsolved mysterious death of a small town bully in Missouri. Some of you may remember from our True Crime Guys episode on Ken Rex McElroy, who was murdered in front of 60 townspeople back in 1981. The kicker? Nobody will fess up. It's considered one of the most infamous acts of vigilante justice in American history. And I love rounding out the night with a good true crime series, like Who Took Johnny?, which explores the infamous case of Johnny Gosh, which you guys know I'm obsessed with. You can stream Sundance Now on all your favorite devices. Just download the app or watch online. Sundance Now is available for as low as $4.99 a month. Discover your next binge-worthy show on Sundance Now. Try Sundance Now free for 30 days by going to SundanceNow.com with my promo code, Creeper. That's SundanceNow.com,
1: code Creeper, to get your first 30 days for free. All right, we're back. Thank you to our lovely sponsors. Check out the links to... Uh, this week's ads in the description of the episode. That's right. As well as, you know, the sources for what we used to study for this case and any other pertinent information, our Patreon link, all that stuff. We'll talk more about that later. Right. So in 2000, 12 years after Lisa's murder, cold case detectives reopened her case. Um, They had some semen samples from the rape kit and from Lisa's underwear that were sent off to a crime lab. Um, And unfortunately, initially, no no match would be found. Right. Um, And it would take another two years before finally they would get some closure in this case. In July of 2002, two years after they had sent off the semen, detectives get a call. Um, and after 14 years, the case had finally been solved. The wow. DNA had been linked to a perpetrator. And it would be discovered to be 57-year-old Dale Wayne Eaton of Monita, Wyoming. And Moneta is... It's, it's not even notable it's thats how small this town is it's right off the highway it looks like from Google Maps it looks like one property it's oh, wow. I don't know what the population is if you look at their Wikipedia page the most notable yeah. thing is Dale Wayne Eaton that's how small oh, this town no. is oh that sucks um, however Monita is right it was right in Lisa's path between Casper and Cody uh, so she drove right through there and we'll talk more but it is believed that uh, Dale Wayne Eaton may be the great Basin serial killer there's several other um, you know, unsolved murders that occurred in these areas uh, I mean, that fit the mold of this guy. And clearly his behavior was habitual. It's not something you just do once. Hold a no, woman captain no. for six days and murder I was about to her say, car and all this shit. Just his MO in this
2: case alone would lead you to believe that he's killed other people. I mean, yeah. that's, <laughs> I'd bet anything on that. Yeah, and his upbringing fits the mold of a serial killer as well. No doubt. And stealing things young,
1: being that violent young, mm-hmm. stabbing someone yeah. as a child, yeah. yeah, which we'll get into. Yeah. So Dale Dale Wayne Eaton was born in 1945. He was the second oldest of eight children and was known as a loner. His father was abusive and Dale, like his mother, had been treated at least once at a psychiatric hospital. His mother at one point was hospitalized for trying to set, set their house on fire. Oh my. Um, Dale maybe would end up moving. What'd you say? I was just gonna say, maybe it was for the insurance. Maybe it's not as bad maybe. as we think. <laughs> maybe. that I, mean, uh, I mean, they people were a poor sometimes. family. Right, definitely. We'll talk more about uh, the the poverty that he, the conditions that he lived under, in a minute. But yeah, um, Dale would end up moving to Greeley, Colorado, and often ran away and enjoyed the outdoors rather than going to school. So didn't pay much attention in school, which might explain the letter using no periods, poor punctuation, yeah. and things like that. Right, right. Um, um, at this time, he gets his first psychiatric evaluation and was held back a year in school and flagged for having serious emotional problems. An incident that occurred when he was sixteen tells the story that he had likely been living in extreme poverty. When he was 16, he stole some vegetables from a neighbor's garden that he intended to sell to buy some shoes. So you're living in Colorado school. and you have no shoes at 16. That is and not good. That's some tough living. Yeah, it is. Um, when the neighbor confronted him, he stabbed her in the chest, pulled out a knife and stabbed her in the chest. Jesus. Yeah. Thankfully, she survived this... um, and Dale would be promptly arrested and subsequently sent off to a boarding school. Where he actually was taught a useful trade. He was he was taught to learn how to he, he learned how to weld while at this this boarding school, which gave him, you know, a means to at least make a living uh for the rest of his life here a and good there. Although too. he was extraordinarily hard to work with and wasn't able to maintain an actual job at, at one location. Uh, for that typical. reason. So he would just do odd jobs, which is also a typical serial killer behavior. Yes. Yep. Always bouncing um, around, always wanting yep. to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not not working well with others. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was released from the boarding school when he was 19, and picked a, picked up work as a welder, doing odd jobs. Throughout the 1960s, he was arrested several times for minor offenses and parole violations. Then, in the 1970s, he found God, uh, got into religion, and helped to build a church. Things things yep. looked like he they were turning around for old Dale. Yeah, uh, and that's even, it,
2: guys. And that's how it ends. Yeah, up. that's he, the end of it. Yeah, he got saved, and everything was all hunky dory. So we'll yeah. see you guys next week for a new. I, mean, I don't know what
1: you know <laughs> what the whole ordeal with with Lisa was. You know that, that was just I guess. Well, who Momentary cares? He's forgiven his religion. That's right. You can be forgiven for all. It's okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, he gets his act together in the early seventies. It seems you know mm-hmm. helps to build a church in nineteen seventy, and then in nineteen seventy-one, he gets married to a woman named Melody, and they have three children together. However, not surprisingly, the marriage was rocky. During the relationship, Dale moved to into a friend's place after losing his job at one point, and during mm-hmm. his stay at this friend's house, he allegedly almost choked the friend's daughter to death over pork being prepared differently. Oh likes his pork prepared a certain way huh yeah likes so you're seeing some you know some extremely violent behavior out of nowhere you know yes you are and it sounds though from what i read like uh, the relationship with his wife was more abusive on her end she would she would frequently hit him from what i read she would hit him and he wouldn't lash back and hit her but maybe that's okay. why he you know fled to the friend's house he didn't want to get locked up for hitting his wife or whatever but and maybe that's why he took this out on other women as well Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, who also knows? I mean, maybe maybe it was abusive back and forth. It's hard to believe he never, you know, struck back at her. But. Agreed. Agreed. I, I don't believe that very much as, as well. Yeah. Um, so his wife would end up filing divorce several times between, uh, throughout the 80s, and ultimately they would finalize a divorce in 1986. After the divorce, Dale lived on his uncle's plot of several acres in Moneta, Wyoming, which is where, you know, the site of the killing would occur and, the, you know, holding uh, Lisa Kimmel captive would be on that property. Yep. Um, on that property, he would convert a 1950s bus into a living space. It had little more than a propane stove and a small bed. It had no power, no running water. So that's where he was living at the time. Wow. What, well, he was a welder though, so he probably could do some pretty cool shit to that bus. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. seen pictures of it. I mean,
2: it's it doesn't look like a, a fun place to live, but... Oh, well, I'm sure it wasn't in the, you know, a 1950s bus... But, I mean, this is coming from a guy who would rather live outside pretty much, right? I mean, and he's grew kind up of, with no
1: shoes, had to steal yeah. vegetables to get shoes. So he's, he's used to, uh, you know, an alternate lifestyle of yeah. rough living. He's used to roughing it as long as he's in charge. He's in control. You can, you can almost smell the, the, the stench coming through your phone of this guy, his <laughs> BO. He could definitely use some Oh My Guy. We'll talk more uh, about that later.
2: Yes, we will. Yes, we will.
1: Um, So in 1988, during the summer, um, the uncle's son, you know, so he lives on this uncle's property. Uh, The uncle had a son named Billy and also a daughter that came to live on the property with Dale. Um, And during this time, he would produce a lot of stuff that couldn't be explained, Mm. which, you know, also leads to believe that maybe he was a serial killer. a lot of this stuff may have been keepsakes from the murders that he had committed. Okay. I was was about to say, what do you mean by he produces a lot of stuff? You mean like just items? Probably women's items, I would guess. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so people around him, family members, things like that, friends. Like, uh, I don't imagine he had many friends. It sounds like he was, you know, it was just family members. But right, they would all point fingers, like, yeah, like I remember we, he he was driving through this area when this girl went missing. Like, people that were close to him st- like suspected he was a serial killer as well. Ooh, that's and damning. like that's one of these things. Like, Uncle's son Billy is, you know, he comes to the police later and says, you know, like he did have a lot of weird stuff that couldn't be explained. Uh, yeah. However, Billy accepted some of the, the items and didn't, you know, ask too many questions about it.
2: Yeah, he had weird personal items. Yeah, if one of yeah. your friends has a bunch of, like, driver's license in a drawer, you might want to turn that motherfucker in.
1: <laughs> For sure. Yeah, women's jewelry and underwear yeah. and uh, driver's licenses. And, right, yeah.
2: yeah. Passports, uh, debit cards, mm. uh, yeah. yeah. Any of those things. <laughs> yeah. Might be a red flag.
1: Yeah. And so during this time, Dale spent uh, his time doing odd jobs and scavenging. Um, he became good at hunting and using a knife. And the lack of accommodations led him to develop bad hygiene, as we you know discussed. Right. Um, he never maintained a job for long because he didn't get along with his coworkers. Um, and at the time that he, you know, his DNA was linked in 2002, he was actually serving time in Englewood Federal Prison in Littleton, Colorado, on a weapons charge um ah, perfect you know, when upon being booked in his dna was placed in the CODIS database in 1997 and he was arrested on a separate charge he had stopped uh, to offer assistance this is a crazy story so um in 1997 he had um uh, he would stopped you know to offer assistance to this family that was from um they were from california and okay. they were just traveling through they were on their way i believe to ohio f- to visit family they okay. were driving across the country and their vehicle broke down, and unfortunately, right along Dale's path, oh, and shit. so he pulls over. This is the Breeden family. It was, uh, you know, just a, a young couple, and they they had a, a young baby as well, and their car had broken down. He offers assistance, uh, but then kidnaps them at gunpoint. At gunpoint,
2: the, man, this is like a worst fear for someone for a family, right? If your yeah. family has car trouble traveling, this is like the absolute worst nightmare. This is like, yeah, this it's is like, like, like why yeah, you're like so glad AAA, AAA some shit. exists.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. So I, I believe he had a van at the time. He pulled over and he offered them a ride to go, you know, to go get the part to fix their car or whatever it was. And he actually convinces, I believe it was, he convinced either the wife or the husband to drive, and he got in the back seat. At which point, he then put them at gunpoint. Um, mm. I think it was the husband was driving and, and the wife like was able to. Uh, do something that knocked his gun on the floor of the van it was a whole do you know, a crazy fight ensues they end up outside of the van uh the husband gets a hold of the gun and is beating him with the butt of the gun then he he's like he just won't go down though like they're beating the living shit out of dale yeah he's a huge he's a big man he's at this point um i looked up his prison like his current prison record he's like yeah. over 300 pounds currently but at the time holy he was the, shit he to high 200s um not very tall but just a big thick dude He was just taking a beating from the husband and the wife, and then at one point he staggers back over to his vehicle and grabs like a pipe wrench and comes at him with that, at which point the husband gets a hold of the pipe wrench and beats him with that as well.
2: Fuck yeah. Um,
1: Then gets the gun and starts threatening to shoot him. Dale's still coming forward. He shoots at his feet, Um, and and ultimately Dale finally gives up, Um, and and they're able to call the police and get him arrested. God, lay. I can't believe they're able to have this whole fight like on the side of the road. Well, oh right. yeah, but they drove away from the side of the road. Yeah, he. I'm sure he had them drive off onto some side road or something where there wasn't traffic. Right. Right. But that's like a movie scene, man. Insane. It is. That's insane. I'm glad the family that was tough. Oh no. Oh, I forgot to mention before the fight really like went down hardcore. The the, the husband was uh, where had enough wherewithal to take the baby and like hide him in some shrubbery. the whole time they were beating the brakes off this dude, the baby was off in the bushes safe, you know. That's awesome. Yes, and then they end up stealing his vehicle after they they leave him on the side of the road bloodied and and go to like a neighbor's house and call the cops. Heck yeah. Fuck this dude, man. Stick together. You can beat the shit out of these people. Right, Like, that's why, awesome. an,
2: just just another case of why you it's always It's just too fight. bad they
1: didn't finish him off and shoot him right there on the side of the highway. They would have saved, you know, later, key, obviously they couldn't know what was going to transpire. They didn't know that the police were going to basically yeah. uh, suspend his two to five year sentence and, and only put him in a halfway house, which is what happens. And then he escapes the halfway house. Yeah, but dude, you know, if Scott, if, their names were Scott and Shannon Breeden. If if yeah. one
2: of them two shoots him, then they go to prison.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, like for manslaughter or maybe, some shit. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, uh, you, I think there was a pretty good self-defense case, especially when they look into his record and see all the violent history, and then this is just some family traveling through from California, like the baby. Like the odds that yeah. they would intentionally shoot some dude on the side of the highway for no reason when they have a baby with them and like this guy's got this violent record. Like, no, I hope to I think that it's it would just, be a shut and closed like self-defense case, but... You would think, but you know this justice system, dude. Yeah, crazier exactly. shit has happened. You don't want to get tied up in it. You no. always want to try to avoid being tied into the cogs of the justice system for That's sure. That's right.
2: You don't want you don't want your fate to be decided by that if no. if possible.
1: Yeah. So after the arrest for the kidnapping, he was given a 2 to 5 year suspended sentence and placed in a halfway house where he promptly escaped but was later recaptured sleeping in his in his vehicle in the Shoshone National Forest. At that time, he had possessed a weapon in the vehicle as well, elevating his crime to the federal level. He was then incarcerated in federal prison where he was obliged to submit a DNA sample, and that would later come back to bite him in the ass, where he would be linked to Lisa Kimmel's murder. Um, On September 3rd, 2001, while in prison, he would punch his prison cellmate, Carl Palmer, in the head. Carl would ultimately die from a ruptured vertebral uh, vertebral artery. So this punch would end up killing uh, his, his cellmate. Oh and he would gosh. end up being charged with manslaughter. That's the thing, man. You get into, you also you get into a fistfight, and sometimes like s- s- shit can happen. You know, a person could fall and hit their head, or they can have a blood clot waiting to surface, or you just yeah. never know. You don't. You never know. Um, man. I mean, not not that it. fucking... I mean, it's obviously a good thing that it happened in this case, and that yeah, it kept him guy, behind bars longer. But but uh, the exact same thing could have happened in a bar.
2: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for or sure. Or like for just sure. a fight, a road rage fight, and then you're going to prison for
1: manslaughter. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, shortly after that is when the DNA was matched to Lisa's body in 2002. Um, meanwhile, Eaton, uh, Dale Eaton's next door neighbors reported to investigators once they heard you know that his DNA had been linked. Um, that they, they reported to investigators that they had seen him digging a large hole on his property in Monita around the time of Lisa's disappearance. Oh no. <laughs> and so they started digging around on his property. They got search warrants and they, uh, the site was excav- excavated in the summer of 2002 where they would find Lisa's entire car. First, they would start finding that parts. That is insane. You know, like a hubcap matching her car, and then they yeah. actually unearthed the entire car, still bearing the distinctive Little Miss license plate. That is crazy. He buried yep. a whole
2: car. Yep. God, he must have, like, a backhoe or some kind of equipment or something, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's got some heavy machinery to do something like that. You can't Jesus. imagine his... The pictures his of that car, man. Digging a hole by and hand. That, and that car was buried for a while because...
2: When they, if you look at pictures of it being unearthed, I mean the the dirt has turned to clay oh, yeah. inside. From eighty eight
1: to two thousand two, that thing was Gosh, underground. Yeah, fourteen years. It's it been, was part uh, of the ground.
2: Around.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, what a waste of a good car, though. Still gets fifty <laughs> miles to <the> gallon.
2: Still. <laughs> <Yeah>. Honda <laughs> CRX. They just pulled it out of there and just cranked up, and drove off. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> Damn Hondas. <laughs> So Dale would be subsequently charged with eight crimes connected to the Lisa Kimmel case, including first-degree premeditated murder, aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, first-degree sexual assault, and second-degree sexual assault. And a fellow inmate named Joseph Dax testified that Dale confessed to him as follows, quote, Lisa had offered to give him a ride, and he accepted it. He then made sexual advances during the ride, which Kimmel did not appreciate, so she pulled over to let him out of the car. The situation then escalated to kidnapping, rape, and murder. Why would you give a man a ride? If you are a lonely young girl she, just, maybe she was just that type of person she was trusting and you know just man I guess who knows what kind of persona Dale put on you know like maybe he really put on a sob story or whatever
2: he's 250 pounds Lauren like, I understand I don't
1: know, man I just maybe she, I don't know I don't know these I mean, guys that's, that's maybe that's what happened maybe I've heard, also heard you know you know tales of him you know uh, her car breaking down which I think I find unlikely it was brand new too. car. Yeah, you know, or maybe she stops at a gas station and somehow he like sneaks up on her, puts her at gunpoint, makes him get. I heard that there was a possible possibility that he had like a tow truck that he was driving at the time, and he like got her into his truck and towed her car behind. I'd find it less. I think he was out walking around, and she like what the you know the tale that the uh, inmate says like somehow he was able to talk her into giving him a ride something like that. Yeah. Well, these guys
2: are sociopaths, man. They know how to seem harmless. Yeah. They do. We've seen it over and
1: over again. Yeah. Um, So Lisa had, in fact, uh, it seems, been held at his property for somewhere around six days uh, before he ultimately killed her on that bridge and threw her body off the bridge. Um, Mm. So Dale Eaton would be found guilty of all charges and sentenced to death on March twentieth, two 2004. Unfortunately, much like many of the cases we cover, when someone gets sentenced to death, they end up getting a bunch of appeals. They, they're they on and off of death row, and that's basically the case with this. He, he was, for a long time, the only uh, inmate on death row in Montana for years, yeah. and he's actually currently not on death row anymore. There's still It's still an ongoing thing. As of September two, uh, 2021 was the latest information I heard, in which uh, a Colorado psychiatrist is still speaking at a hearing, uh, looking into claims of inadequate defense, and says he may suffer from bipolar disorder. So? Yeah, so they're still fighting to get him back on death row, and his defense is fighting to keep him off of death row. And it's like at this point, he's like 70 something years old. Like, like yeah, just, he's probably just I gonna guess, die, just let in him prison. die behind bars. Like, that's not a way to waste a bunch more tax dollars to just to get the last say and kill the guy or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. Just leave him, let him rot. He's almost done. He'll probably. die soon, He's 300 pounds and he's in his 70s. Like, something's gonna get him. Right, right. So the sightings of Lisa Marie Kimmel were never explained. You know all the sightings of her car being driven around. Lisa's parents would ultimately be awarded Dale Eaton's property in a civil lawsuit, and which they they burned down the buildings to the ground. So they get a little bit of uh, revenge on the property that you know her you know their daughter was mm-hmm. kept at.
2: Dang.
1: Um, over the years, profilers and experts close to the case have uh, said that the degree of criminal sophistication displayed by Dale Eaton in disposing of Kimmel's body and the removal of evidence, including the a, uh, a binding, only raises the possibility that it, he was a serial killer. Oh, no doubt. Um, burial, burial of Kimmel's car, but not her body, baffles uh, Dr. Robert Keppel, who led the investigation into Ted Bundy. We've heard about old Keppel. Yeah. Um, Keppel has written several books on serial killings. Uh, he makes a good point. He says, quote, why the killer even uh, dump her body over that bridge? Why wouldn't the killer just bury her in the car? Yeah, it doesn't, I don't understand that, right? Like, you bury Mm -hmm. the car and actually, you know, kept that evidence disguised for 14 years until DNA, like, and had he buried her body with the car, the DNA that linked him to her never would have been discovered. They discovered, you know, the DNA from, you know, his DNA on her body, which he dumped off the bridge. Now, the only thing I can think is that maybe he 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 kept the car
2: right drove it around a little bit but why the fuck would you not take those vanity plates off I just don't get that why would you not swap them out with something yeah. else why would you drive the car and still bury the car with
1: these very distinct vanity plates but let's say he wanted to drive the car around longer and that's why he like it still doesn't make sense why he wouldn't just bury her at the property keep driving the car and then ultimately bury the ah, car as well I see what you're saying Like, dumping her body off the bridge makes no sense if you're trying to get away with this crime. That's just leaving the evidence to be discovered. Maybe he was hoping the river would take her body a lot further than it did. It only took it a quarter mile. Maybe he was hoping it would take her to a totally different state and just completely muddy up things and get her body far away from his property. And it is also believed that, you know,
2: water destroys all evidence. You know? That's also believed. And so, and then also, it's kind of hard to get rid of a car any other way. It's like, what do you do with that car? You can't really take it to a scrapyard.
1: Um yeah. and just, also we like we mentioned earlier DNA too. Like he probably wasn't too keen on DNA no. at this time being the, the late 80s. That's what I'm saying. And anything he knew
2: about DNA or anything left behind, he probably thought it was going to be destroyed on her body by the river. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. if the car's underground, I mean that's probably I don't know. I, I really can't think of a safer place to, to hide a car. But but I I get what you're saying yeah. though. Why not if you're gonna go through all that trouble of digging the hole, why not just put her in it as well? I see what you're saying, right? But I
1: yeah. So Greg Cooper, I was just going to say
2: the only bad thing about that is that if you know he did get in trouble because of his neighbor seeing him bury the car. So if she's in the car as well, then it's just cut and dry. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's already cut and dry because they found the car. But
1: I can the one the one argument I can say you know if he's if he if he's really thinking this thing out is maybe like hoping the the uh, river would take the body into like another state, super far away, and just like. Make put a much bigger distance between him, his property, and the and the body, and the disappearance of Lisa. Lisa was driving through his little town when she went missing. So maybe ultimately they start digging into, you know, what criminals live in the area. What's and ultimately they get a search warrant for his property. Maybe that's where he was, you know, thinking. And if I get this body far away from my from me and my town and my property, that'll take the investigation elsewhere. Maybe that's what he was thinking. But right, who knows? Right. Um, So Greg Cooper, a former FBI profiler who investigated Kimmel's murder in association with a series of other killings from 1983 to 1997 in the four-state region, um, as we mentioned, the Great Basin murders, uh, told the Denver Channel that the car could have been the killer's trophy as well. So maybe he he stated that the killer might have uh, become aroused just by walking over the area where the car was buried and also said that Kimmel was probably murdered by, quote, a very organized serial killer. So let's go through some of these other um, unsolved murders that occurred in the Great Basin area, um, attributed to the Great Basin serial killer, who is, uh, believed by many to be Dale okay. Eaton. So on August 6, 1981, Belinda, Belinda, May Grantham, age 20 was found in the North Platte river, the same river that Lisa Kimmel's body was found near a bridge, very similar to Lisa mm-hmm. as well in Glenrock Converse County, Wyoming. She had a rope tied around her neck, weighted to a rock. She had been strangled, and she was last seen uh alive at the Nat- Natrona County Fair in Casper, Wyoming. Casper being near, yep. uh, you know, that was right in uh Dale's stomping yes, grounds. It was and seems to fit. You know, he dumps dumps the body in the same river, off a bridge, potentially. Same MO. Definitely seems to, to line up. Um, and this is 1981. Dale was in the area at the time. Mm-hmm. Then in September of 1982, Naomi Lee Kidder, uh, Kidder was a young woman whose remains were found in Natrona County, Wyoming. In September of 1982, she was identified in March 1993 through dental records, and was possibly a victim uh, of another killer, Larry Hall, who was in possession of a document bearing the victim's name. So it's likely that it was this one was not Dale, but you know it's still not out of the realm of possibility. But it's most likely Larry Hall. Yeah, man, Larry Hall. He was the he was the devil with mutton chops. We've done that case. Yes, yep. in with
2: the devil with mutton chops or something like that. We called yep. it. <laughs> it was that is yep. a crazy case, man. Crazy case. It is. It is. Um, lots, lots you of you
1: may be able to na- you may be able to add Naomi Kidder to that list, but it's yet to be officially determined that he was responsible for Naomi Kidder. But it also could have been this week's case, Dale. So who knows? It would be interesting to see if we mention that in that case. I have to go yeah. back and give it's that a, been list. a while. Yeah, it's been, been a while. A while. Meanwhile, in March of 1983, in Fremont County, Wyoming, Janelle Johnson was found w- uh, with legs protruding from a makeshift grave. She had been buried, but storm runoff had eroded away part of the grave. She had been raped, and bite marks were on her left shoulder. Um, unfortunately, in that case, semen DNA was lost when the refrigerator was left unplugged uh, at a police lockup, and the DNA went—it ba- spoiled and went bad. Oh, my. So that one's not going to be able to be linked to unfortunately, to Dale Eaton if his DNA matched or not. That would have been an easy way, you know, if you had that DNA still, but Ooh. we see that happen so often where evidence is either lost or destroyed accidentally or whatever. That is so sketch. It's like, what else was in that refrigerator? Yep. Mm-hmm. I know, right? How many other mm-hmm. semen samples or s- saliva samples and whatever? Yep, that's
2: what I wonder. Somebody, somebody inside didn't want something to be tested.
1: hmm <clears throat> Yeah. Um, And then on July 24th, 1997, Amy Betchel, a 24-year-old female, went missing while going out for a run to train for a 10K race. She was last uh, known to be seen in the Wild River Mountains, approximately 15 miles south of Lander, Wyoming, and was declared dead in abstantia by her husband in 2004. And this case remains unsolved. And according to Dale's brother, he had been near the area where Betchel disappeared at the time of her disappearance. However, Eaton has refused to discuss the case. He still denies... Um, his involvement in Lisa Kimmel's murder as well, he's just basically denied, um, denied, denied, and rotting away in prison, thankfully. But yeah, still doesn't have the you know humanity in him to at least admit to the crime that is 100% sure that he did, yeah. let alone any other crimes that he most likely committed. You know, You know this dude killed more than once. There's no way this was his only murder. No way. No
2: way, man. But we see that so often with so many of these serial killers, man. They get in there and they hold that
1: information... It's just something they'll die he was with. Brash they get enough off on that to shit. abduct, he was brash enough to abduct at gunpoint a family with a baby on the side of the road. Like, come on, this guys. dude acted as though there was, you know, he had no fear of being caught. He was brash in his crime. Like, I know this dude killed more, and it's possible these victims that we just read off were, you know, ones that he he's responsible for. But mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll ever know unless they're able to, you know, like they don't have DNA to link to him. He's not going to talk. So. Right. Fortunately, there's probably not going to be closure on those. Nope. Too bad people couldn't
2: identify him from his smell, huh? Right. Just have people. Yeah. Block. There was a too certain bad. odor on the crime scene. Because <laughs> I know too he. Bad. Too No, he didn't have no oh my Gaia to cover that shit up. Nope. He oh my Gaia. Have. Oh my Gaia, guys! It's an innovative all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben- and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And guys, there's tons of scents to choose from, from vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, uh, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot, amber, pear, sweet pea, sailor, barbershop. Um, man, what, a, what we have our very own scent called true crime pine, and new scents are being added all the time. Wendy is always trying to keep the store fresh, so always check back at omigaya.com. And because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R for 15% off. At shop underscore on Instagram or omigaya.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A dot com. Guys, you won't regret it and you won't find a better natural deodorant. Guaranteed. Guaranteed.
1: Right on. Right. Uh, let's let's take a moment to uh give everybody a shout out that well not everybody but give some of the people that sh- uh, cuz I just it's it's hard to Sometimes surveys. I miss reviews cuz there's so many different platforms and you know not all of them get pulled into one location but right. let's give a shout out to some of the some of you who have gone and rated and reviewed the show and taken time to do that. I want to thank Pink Rose 528 in the US said, amazing, five stars, awesome podcast, love listening to you all. Note in, to the 153 episode in Maryland, our DMV is called the MVA, Motor Vehicle Administration, and DMV right. stands for the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area, which really confused me when I first visited other states. Well, it stands for that so. with you, but I mean... DMV, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, yeah. the DMV, is that, that's what that,
2: wow. I mean, for that area, I guess it stands for that, but for the rest of the country, mm-hmm. it stands
1: for Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> okay. Now I'm just even more confused. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, thank, thanks, Pink Rose. Right, right. Uh, then we got Grove, Texas uh, in the United States says, good stuff. This is a good listen. Compassion for victims and laughing slash making fun of the perpetrators keeps the, uh, the pod from being so dark. Keep up the good work. Right thank on, thanks. Thank you. And then we got Dami JB21 uh, mm-hmm. in Great Britain said, absolutely love these dates. The True Crime Guys <laughs> is a podcast I can't stop listening to. Absolutely love the dynamic and the banter between the two hosts. The intro song is absolutely slaps <laughs> and the cases are thoroughly researched. Indeed, they are making murder charming. Smashing, lads. Smashing. Thank you. Uh, I got... Hold on. Someone... I've, I've got a few shout-outs that people have like been messaging us. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Gotta get those two. Those are important. Yeah, yeah. We got Michael... In, or no, wait, wait, wait. No, uh, Stephen in San Antonio, Texas um, says... Got everything squared. Thanks for the super. Thanks for the superdope podcast. I listen to y'all every day, and I'm pretty much caught up on all the freeloader stuff. Can't get enough, so I'm about to hop on Patreon and subscribe. Yes. Hope this counts as a review. Um, right that's discount Drake on Twitter, um, but his name is Steven from San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas. Right so on shout on. out to Stephen. Thank you. Join the creeper party, Stephen. Yep. Um, what else we got, else man? Uh, I don't know. You got anything? Um,
2: I I don't. I don't. I think you've covered all the new reviews for right now. Uh, Guys, if you haven't had a chance to review or subscribe on wherever you listen, please do. It helps the show a lot. Uh, We noticed in the last week, we have actually been, we're featured on the top 200 true crime podcasts on Apple. So in order to stay there, guys, all we need is subscribers and reviews. That helps the podcast a ton. We really appreciate that very much. Um, So yeah. yeah, any help? And then obviously, if you're all caught up on true crime, guys, you already left a review. Go check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash truecrimeguys. There's a link right below the description uh, to True Crime Guys link tree, and you can see all of the things under True Crime Guys Productions um, and links to our Patreon, our Spotify pages, our other shows. Everything you would like to hear is right there in one place. But like on Patreon, for instance, I think one of the greatest perks about Patreon is you get to know us a little bit better. Every Friday, we do a show called Just the Banter, and we answer patron questions, would you rathers, or just read your comments and react to them every single Friday uh, on Patreon. Just the Banter, it usually ends up being, what, I'd say anywhere between 30 minutes and an hour, Lauren, depending on how yeah, many so it usually questions. falls around 40 minutes-ish. Yeah. So we have a good time. It's a good way to get to know us a little better, get to see you know, some different sides of us as hosts, and we get to learn a little bit more about our listener base. So again, that's patreon.com uh, slash truecrimeguys. And uh, if you guys yeah, are maybe. caught up on all True Crime Guys stuff, check out our other show, Strange and Unexplained. Uh, wherever you listen, new episodes come out on Mondays. And of course, there's a Patreon for that show as well, patreon.com slash sandupodcast. So tons of shit under True Crime Guys Productions. And we also have another show, Full House Fantasy Football. It's completely different from crime, but we know that a lot of you are football fans. And if you're fantasy fans as well, definitely got to check this show out.
1: And we will be making our valiant return this week. Um, Tori was sick and we weren't able to record last week, but uh, we're going to get back on the wagon this week and catch up on what's been going on in the fantasy football world and get you ready for the playoffs if you uh, are one of the lucky ones that are making it into the playoffs in fantasy football. so That's right. Yeah, coming down check to the out. crunch. Yep. Alright, that about do it We hope you guys enjoyed this episode We will see you for another Freeloader episode next week We will And uh, yeah, have a great week, keep creeping Keep creeping you guys True crime
2: guys In the desert we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us Cause you thought we was true crime garage Now we ain't mad at you Sit down, let us talk at you I'm talking to the creeper army We out here making murder, murder, murder. True crime guys In the desert we like a mirage It's okay if you clicked on us cause you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the Creeper Army. We out here making murder charming.